Politics has gotten so angry, so mean, so partisan. And too often we see each other as enemies, not as neighbors, as Democrats or Republicans, not as fellow Americans. We become too divided. But as tough as these times have been, if we look a little closer, we see bright spots all across the country. The strength, the determination, the resilience that's long defined America. We're surely making progress. Things are getting better. COVID law no longer controls. Madam Speaker, thank you for your comments. Um, I just want to ask you in this time of transition, have you had any conversations with Leader McCarthy, or do you intend to? And if he prevails as Speaker, what advice would you give him? Well, I don't think anybody needs any advice from anybody. You've heard me say even about our own distinguished leadership. I'm not going to be the mother-in-law comes in and say, this is the way my son likes his turkey stuffing, his scrambled eggs, or anything else. They have to have their own vitality about it all, and they do. And so as far as he is concerned, <clears throat> I, um, yes, we, we have some, we haven't had any formal conversations, but we're, we interact. And um, I'm just hoping that on January 3rd, that they'll be expeditiously able uh, to elect a speaker so that we can get on uh, with the, the work of the Congress. And, um, and just so you, you know, this may interest you. What I have said to everybody is the hardest thing that I had to do, since you're asking this question, I was speaker and minority leader under President Bush, under President Obama, under what's his name? And there's just speaker under President Biden. But uh, three different roles, three different presidents, two different roles. The hardest thing that I had to do in all of the, say, let's just talk about the, the three. The hardest thing that I had to do, and I said this in friendship and in love and all the rest of that, is when we had a Democratic president and we were in the majority, minority, and we were in the minority, as minority leader to sustain a presidential veto. Because the Republicans would roll out stuff that sounded like a chocolate sundae, but it's more like doggy do. But it looked good, and it played well in districts, and people say, oh, this is good. No, it ain't good. It's terrible. It undermines the Affordable Care Act. We have to sustain the presidential veto. This is not a casual vote. This is not a casual vote. So I'd rather be writing the Affordable Care Act or any other massive legislation than to have to go to my members and say, my friend, 
in friendship. I really need your vote to sustain the president's veto. That was that was the hardest. Yes, and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 28th of December, year of our Lord, 2022. You got Nancy Pelosi getting her last jabs. And you have the President of the United States going hallmark. So today, in the spirit of a good last podcast for the season's over, or this year is over, we're going to have his stories and some border, some Twitter we got more Twitter, unbelievable, and some woke on the back end. But I had to cover this because the Christmas season, my hope is that we take a few moments of quiet reflection to really look at one another, not as Democrats or Republicans, but as who we really are, fellow Americans. CNN decided to go with the uh, unity shit, and they, they literally typed this. Sorry. Biden emphasizes national unity. I was going to do a symposium, but I respect you too much because you remember the red speech. You remember all the things. Bull Connor, you're a racist. You're a terrorist. If you don't want live birth abortions, you're a communist. I mean, the fucking things they did. But I'm not playing it because I'm just going to show his voter base. These are just two. You're poor, you're unimportant, men do not fear you, your women disagree with you, your lives are shit. If I was forced to endure a year of your life, it would be the worst level of depression imaginable. That is a blue check Democrat. That's a blue check trust. That's a blue check. And then my favorite of the holiday season, because we had, remember, this administration put place cards on how to brainwash your loved ones. And this was a real, I'm not, I'm reading off her Twitter. My O Fox Max outrage content watching dad has been visiting this week. I super love my dad and it makes me sad that we can't talk about the news. At the same time, I respect him too much to try to deprogram him by force, block his channels. Research suggests a better way. We know that you can't debate people out of their beliefs, their innate confirmation bias, motivated reasoning, and conceptual frames protect them from experiencing cognitive dissonance. You can't argue against conspiracy with facts. It's self-sealing, as I say all the time. This is a journalist. This is a Brian Seltzer journalist. These are the people that live in a bubble. They don't know conservatives. They don't want to know. They just know that the moment you argue you're a racist, you're a sexist, you're a transphobe, and they shut you down. So that paragraph right there is comedic at the best. But there's some evidence that pre-bunking or explaining how tactics work in general can be effective, especially for folks like my dad, who have a strong reactance response, strong negative reaction to feelings like someone is trying to persuade them. We all have this to this degree, but I suspect a lot of O-Fox-Max consumers have strong perception reluctance, which is ironic, but also cultivated by the conspiracies. They don't want to know this frame anywhere. Here is the workaround that seems to work. I would explain, not always in order, how we all have innate cognitive, emotional, and social weaknesses, how those weaknesses make us vulnerable to propaganda, manipulation, deny us free will, our ability to consent, how research shows people have influence to act. To allow my dad to see how the manipulation works, which is highly salient to him, his natural reluctance 
a reactance response can then work for him to help him to process and self-persuade. I can't debate him out of talking point or something he thinks is fact. I tried. One time this week he said some terrible things about Nancy Pelosi. Why did they hate her so much? You just saw her last speech. She's the most divisive leader we've ever had in power for 20 fucking years. It's actually amazing. And so I tried debating him about her. That didn't work. He could tell me why he hated her, just that she was so rich and so corrupt and so she must be terrible. In fact, it was all frames and emotion. She's a millionaire. She uses the stock market. A Republican did. You guys have done, you, this lady, and Brian says over 10 million on McConnell who got his money from a dead mother. So I tried the so what, like so like ice cream. Is that really so bad? Like his experience, his expensive ice cream or her expensive ice cream. Really? What is the problem here? You love ice cream. Why does this create division instead of identification? Why is this an issue on the news? So I explained about scholarly research on outrage bait and how we all hardwired to judge and group and outgroup people differently for the same actions. Like that was a politician or your idea and the ice cream and blah, blah, blah. And so how news orgs and platforms calibrate the content to elicit that response in all of us. Us, so that we have this irrational partisan response to information that just don't sense under scrutiny. I didn't argue facts, and I didn't argue that Pelosi's good. That wouldn't work. This goes on for 10 more tweets. I'm not going to argue any more on it. I'm going to show proof, and it's pretty simple. This is so beautiful. The photographer who's supposed to be a journalist says they redid the American flag Democrats did for Ukraine and as this lady was speaking about it and before I played the first two sound bites to show that CNN MSNBC, PBS, ABC, CBS, NBC, WAPO, New York Times are no different. This was happening in the world. South Korea had to fire down drones. China's, they are, uh, North Korea's fired missiles. China staged a huge military incursion into Taiwan because we're so fucking weak. And what was the reactive media that she's talking about doing? Guns. And you're a piece of shit if you don't bow down to Zelensky. Uh, Michael, I I rank this speech as one of the most important and certainly bravest uh, speeches that I I have ever seen uh, delivered in that chamber. Where does it rank for you? Uh, I think it's very much in that category because it deals with issues that are about as basic as they get in human life. 1941, when Churchill was there the day after Christmas, democracy and dictatorship were at war. We did not know if in the future this would be a war, a war after the, a world dominated after this war by Nazism and fascism. And many people uh, were defeatist, like Charles Lindbergh and his wife, and said fascism may very well come to our country after the war, if not even sooner. Those are the kind of discussions that are being 
held today. And I think the other thing I'd like to ask is the number of members of Congress, uh, almost all Republican, who did not show up tonight or who showed up and refused to clap. I'd like to know why that was for two reasons. Number one, you're a public servant. We're, we're allowed to know those things. You're supposed to tell us if you're serving in Congress what the reason was. You know, do you love Putin or are you just opposed to democracy or is there something else? And then number two, a few of those people, such as Boebert and uh, Matt Gates on the Republican side, may be key to the very slim majority that may vote for Kevin McCarthy as speaker. And I'd like to know if McCarthy gets their votes as speaker, did he make some kind of a secret commitment to them to reduce our aid to Ukraine? I'm embarrassed that I didn't work on the issue of gun violence before Sandy Hook. I should have been working on this issue. It was plaguing cities in my state, but it was a wake up call to me and to the nation. And um, I decided to devote my career to trying to change the laws of this country to make a Sandy Hook less likely. Obviously we have seen mass shooting after mass shooting spikes in homicides all over the country. But this year's, you know, we did finally pass, first time in 30 years, a major gun safety initiative. And uh, I'm proud that our movement has now become strong enough. That movement um, has as part of it, many of the families, many of the students uh, from Sandy Hook, uh, and I'm very proud of them. Yeah, firearms is the leading cause of death among young kids. Uh, what could be done next? What would you like to see happen after this reform of the past year? So what we have in this country is a massive black market in firearms, and that is how firearms often end up in the hands of young kids. So background checks is the quickest way to stop that black market, because how the black market starts is a, a criminal um, trafficker buying a whole bunch of weapons in a state where... First and foremost to that historian, I remember Democrats not wanting to finance the Iraq war that they voted for. No media made them say why. That was our war. We had boys over there dying. And simultaneously, while this was going on, Obama was jerking off Iran, and we sent boatloads of cash to him, and Iran was financing the EFPs that were killing our fucking men. And this cocksucker never said a word. So go fuck yourself. Most Americans support Ukraine. But when you also pull them... Why are we just $100 billion? If we porked $100 billion a year into Afghanistan, we wouldn't have walked out and let the Taliban take the fuck over, and now girls can't go to school. That never gets talked about in our media. But we choked it off. So this bullshit with Ukraine, with you guys worshiping this guy who's... Not a good dude. I threw my shirt out. Okay, I got wrapped up in it, and I did a podcast, and then I, that whole thing, I just need ammo. I thought he was a badass. Then I researched. Then I started looking, and, you know, he's not this great guy. And we're sending so much money over there unaccounted. There's already weapons unaccounted for. Where did they go? Where is this money going? That's all Republicans are asking. Why do we keep sending money there with no accountability? That's a pretty simple ask. 
to the second one. We have background checks. They allow these people to go on the air and just lie. And I don't see this lady trying to deprogram herself that CNN, that was a PBS show, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, PBS, CBS, I mean, that's all of them. They can say everything, which leads us straight into our next story. There's a Republican that lied about his resume. We have a president sitting in the White House right now. Oh, here's this one. Camilla Camilla Harris had a great year. That's our media. But you don't need to deprogram that. Joe Biden is by far the best president of my lifetime. That's another reporter. This is Joe Biden's little shtick right here. Um... Where the hell is it? Because I can't see it. Here it is. President Biden has built the most significant legislative record of any president since Lyndon B. Johnson. That's, That's what they say about this guy. Where'd the frickin' good one go? Oh, I had a fucking problem. Okay, we're good. I'll get it fixed. I'll get it fixed. I fucked up. But here's our media also uh, needs to be uh, deprogrammed. This is them talking about his resume. And then I'm just going to transition to all of the things they've said about him. Today's show saying what a great year he had. Uh, PBS. Um, some fucking Republican bitch that covering him for the economy and the slump in Christmas sales. But that doesn't need to be deprogrammed at all. I'm a Republican, the media jerk off of the week. We don't want to wait another moment before diving into our first story. Congressman-elect George Santos admitting that he lied about several key details in his experience and biography. In an interview with the New York Post, Santos confessed to what he called embellishing his resume, but insists he will serve in the next Congress. Santos confessed he had never worked directly for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, chalking that fib up to a, quote, Poor choice of words. He also admitted that he never graduated from any college, despite previously claiming to have received a degree from Baruch back in 2010. Quote, I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. I own up to that. We do stupid things in life. Santos was also accused of lying about his family history saying on his campaign website that his mother was Jewish and his grandparents escaped the Nazis during World War II. I never claimed to be Jewish, Santos said. I am Catholic. Because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background, I said I was Jew-ish. John Hammon, have we reached a new low? A new low? No, I think what we were talking about just a second ago, talking about the Biden way as a strategy of contrasting itself against uh, Donald Trump and 
and deciding that it would be a good idea to say that, hey, you know, when he hangs out with neo-Nazis, we should say we're against Nazis. And when he says that we should tear down the Constitution, we are for the Constitution. It's a pretty simple playbook. We've already hit that. Like, we hit bottom a while ago. This, I mean, this dude, like, Ian, look, it is the reality. I don't want to anyway make light of him because he is a comical uh, example. Politics littered with examples of lying liars who lie, and many who have lied about their resumes. The thing is, at least they usually do get caught. Eventually, they do get caught. So it's like people who are scared that, like, hey, you know, if I had this problem in my past, maybe I shouldn't get into politics because someone will find out. They probably will, and that's what it look. This is what it looks like. You you get made into a laughing stock if you decide to make up things whole cloth about your background. This this gentleman uh, will be the butt of jokes for the rest of his life, and rightly so. The editorial board of the New York Daily News is calling for Santos to step aside after these revelations. Uh, it writes in part this, the man we know as George Santos, if that is indeed his name, is a work of fiction. When Santos takes the oath of office on January 3rd, there's no reason to think it will be worth anything. After all, the trust of his constituents meant nothing to him. Not that he should take any such oath. If Santos has any shred of decency, he'll step aside now that his con has been exposed, even if some of his voters are standing behind him. We're not holding our breath. President Biden started 2022 staring down major challenges at home and abroad. His domestic agenda stalled. Europe on the brink of war. Then in April, a major campaign promise realized. The president's Supreme Court pick, Katanji Brown-Jackson, confirmed by the Senate. In my family, it took just one generation to go from segregation to the Supreme Court. As summer rolled around, a series of setbacks. We more With the high court ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. Inflation ballooning to a 40-year high. It is going to be very challenging. A controversial fist bump with the Saudi crown prince. And for Mr. Biden personally, a COVID case and rebound infection. Feeling fine. Everything's good. In July, the president's approval rating slumped to an all-time low. But it would prove to be a turning point in the year. The next few months bringing a string of legislative victories on gun safety, veterans' health care, and manufacturing. Then a successful drone strike on al-Qaeda's leader in Afghanistan. Justice has been delivered. The run of achievements culminating in the successful passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. The motion is adopted. After months of gridlock and infighting, as the midterms approached, the country's political temperature rose. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Election night in America would deliver a surprise. Democrats defying expectations. NBC News is now projecting that Democrats will maintain control of the Senate. Keeping control of the Senate and losing the House by a narrow margin. November also saw the return of a political rival. America's comeback starts right now. As the president faces renewed questions about his own plans for 2024. The Biden administration's year ending on a bright note. The successful release of WNBA star Brittany Griner, home just in time for the holidays. So it is just a matter of hours before Christmas, and whether you observe <laughs> Christmas or not, I have to ask a question about, okay, yeah, there's a stocking hanging by the chimney. Uh, who are some people, who's somebody, David, who you think should uh, get something nice from Santa? 
uh, on Christmas, and and who's somebody who you think maybe needs some coal? <laughs> yeah. Well, for the nice, I'll stick with the nice. Uh, maybe I'll leave off the coal. But uh, you know, the White House Chief of Staff, Presidential Chief of Staff Ron Klain, everyone dumps on the White House Chief of Staff. Uh, they blame for everything. They can't blame the president, so they blame the Chief of Staff. They've had a good year. The White House has had a good year. I assume Ron Klain has had something to do with that. And so I, the long-suffering, neglected non-Klain, I hope Santa, not even a stuffing stock or a, a whole model train set. He can do this Thomas the Tank Engine, whatever he wants to do. And I think he deserves a train set. Do we think he likes trains? I, mean, I have no idea. <laughs> and what about the coal? Well, uh, this will be a little more serious. Um, you know, I, I just look at the schools and the effect that the long and overly, overly, overly long school closures during COVID had on school student attainment and the lifelong prospects of a generation of young people. And I do blame a lot of different people for that, but I think the teachers' unions blame, uh, bear a share of the blame for really widening inequality, hurting social mobility, and hurting a lot of students. So they get my goal. They get your call. All right, only a little over than a minute. And it's okay, so my I, fault, but uh. I'm going to start with coal and groups. <laughs> groups of people first, okay. the IRS, for not auditing President oh. Trump's taxes as they were supposed to do under law when he was uh, president of the United States. That was one of the many breaking news stories that hit last week, uh, this past week, and also the members of Congress who did not. Um, comply with the subpoenas from the January 6th committee to do what I think is, is their patriotic duty to talk about what they knew uh, and what happened during during January 6th. As for NICE, another, uh, another group of people, the Democrats, the Independents, and the Republicans who came out in record numbers in the midterm elections to push back against MAGA Republicans who were seeking office, people who believed in the big lie, people who were supported by um, former President Trump. And the, I mean, it worked. Th those groups of people getting, the nice, getting on the nice list, they made sure that Democrats held on to the Senate and the Republican red wave turned out to be less than a trickle in the House. Joe Biden's running. If he runs, he will be the Democratic nominee. He's done an outstanding job. Vice President Harris has been a great, effective vice president. One day she might actually be our president of the United States, and I hope so. So, look, of course we're going to debate what Joe Biden, is he going to run or not? He's running. He will be the nominee. He will win in 2024 and hopefully usher in a Democratic control of the House and the Senate again. We're starting to get an idea of how well retailers did during the Christmas shopping season. A new MasterCard spending pulse report says retail sales were up 7.6% this holiday. But, of course, there were higher prices thanks to inflation. You're the data guy. <laughs> how much of this is sales are actually up and how much of it is inflation so things cost more? When you consider that everything is more expensive this year and those types of measures are looking at the dollar amount, it's essentially a wash. On the other hand, you might be surprised to say, okay, well, that number is even higher than I expected because if inflation was really crunching on Americans' wallets, maybe they would have pulled back even further. So economists saying it's not necessarily a blockbuster report when it comes to the retail numbers, but at least it wasn't uh, worse than expected given what's going on in the economy. I mean, is it too far to say, well, at least consumer confidence hasn't tanked? 
Yeah, no, it certainly hasn't. But you're starting to see signs that consumers are getting a little bit more conservative, a little bit more mindful about how they're spending. Do we know how much of that, if again, people are starting to feel like they need to tighten their belts a little bit, how much of that might be related to interest rates if people aren't paying off every month, knowing that their credit card interest rate may be a little higher? Yeah, well, I mean, credit card interest rates are at record highs, according to bank rate. 19.55% is the average credit card rate. That means the average? Average, which means that's really something you don't want to miss a payment on because it's going to hurt. But it was interesting. I talked to a lot of people, a lot of shoppers during this season, and a lot of them said- You were at the mall I, yesterday. I was at the mall yesterday, and a lot of people were saying, I'm aware that those interest rates are high, but I still want to go out and have gifts under the tree this season. I'll deal with the interest rates after the fact, which I think also lines up with what we've seen in the overall retail sales being pretty okay, but not all that great, but not all that bad. Let's just go over a few of his stuff. Survived a fire, arrested in a civil rights march, star football player, once a truck driver, arrested in meeting Medella, son killed in Iraq, overheard mass shooting, top of his class in college, hit 368 homer in baseball game, and job in a timber company. Is there any president at all to the George Santos situation? Has Congress ever had someone with many remarkable biographical holes? Then this guy continues on. Drunk driver killed his wife and daughter. Pin metal on a Navy captain who was just a kid. No knowledge of Hunter's foreign business dealings. Turned down offer from the Naval Academy. His uncle won the Purple Heart. His helicopter in Afghanistan was forced down. Met Parkland families, the vice president. Was once a coal miner. Comes from a family of coal miners. Was shot at in Iraq. Called Milosevic a war criminal to his face. Criticized George W. Bush to his face. Participated in sit-ins during the Civil Rights Movement. Um oil industry somehow gave him cancer. Remember that? It was raining. Uh, won a fight against a drug dealer named Corn Pop. Dead Amtrak worker awarded him for riding 1.8 million miles. Attended temple services on a Sunday. Raised in Puerto Rico. Worked as a college professor. Hiked Himalayas with President Z. Received Fulbright scholarship. Graduated with three degrees. His dad was an early gay marriage advocate. Spoke to the inventor of insulin. Attended Delaware State University. Worked as a lifeguard. Not the big guy. There has never been a president that has lied this much. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, let's be honest. Pocahontas is still in Congress. Still talking about big tuna. And she lied about her ethnicity. No Republican would be in office if he lied about his ethnicity. And then sticking on the deprogramming and the Biden administration's lies. In a blatant Friday evening news dump going into Christmas weekend, the federal government has released the November border numbers. CBP reports 233,704 migrant encounters, the highest November ever recorded and a large increase over last November. You're about to see literally the media saying 2.7 million for the first time as they bash the Texas governor for sending people to the vice president's house.
We begin with breaking news tonight at 11 as another group of migrants were dropped off late tonight at the Naval Observatory that is right near Vice President Kamala Harris's residence. They were bussed in from Texas. Now this comes amid freezing temperatures on Christmas Eve. Our Christian Flores was there and spoke with volunteers on what happens next for these migrants. Now, this is the third of three buses filled with migrants coming up from Texas that unloaded here over in D.C. over at the Naval Observatory. Now, we spoke with the Migrant Solidarity Mutual Aid Network. They tell us that this is purely a political stunt from Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Organizers with the Migrant Solidarity Mutual Aid Network had learned about these buses coming up here in the days leading up to this weekend. Since April, governors and states bordering Mexico have sent more than 9,000 migrants to D.C. Tonight's buses stopped at the Naval Observatory near Vice President Kamala Harris's residence. Organizers helping these migrants say tonight was a political stunt by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. It really does show the cruelty behind Governor Abbott um, and his insistence on continuing to bus people here without care about, you know, people arriving late at night on Christmas Eve when the weather is so cold. You know, people are getting off the buses. They don't have coats. They, they you know, don't have clothes for this kind of weather and they're freezing. That bus is now gone. The Migrant Solidarity Mutual Aid Network took them to a church, an undisclosed location for the safety of the migrants. But over there, a number of volunteers got together and got together some warm food and clothes to welcome these migrants to the United States. At the Naval Observatory, Christian Flores. Caesar shows me the slashes on his wrist. He says came from Mexican cartels trying to extort him for money as he waited to cross the border. We ask him why he and his group have been waiting for months. We've been waiting since October because we believed in the president of the United States, he tells me, that an opportunity to come to America legally on December 21st would happen. It's clear most of the people we speak with are from Venezuela or a handful of other countries. That's partly because of how Title 42 is being applied, allowing asylum seekers from some countries, but not others. It feels arbitrary which countries are getting a green light and which ones aren't. Absolutely. It absolutely is. A currently green-lighted Nicaragua and Cuba, uh, potentially forthcoming Venezuela, and also the so-called Northern Triangle of Central America. They're in the same boat as the Venezuelans. Dr. Josiah Hyman with UTEP estimates that about a quarter to a third of all people coming to the border right now are currently being blocked by Title 42. And that's with border crossings at their highest level this fiscal year, 2.76 million in modern history. Do you think this is, as the White House has said it, sort of a, a cruel um, decision um, being made with, with people's lives? Well, there's two ways to look at it, right? The way they're doing it is extremely inhumane, but it is a service to the migrants. A lot of them don't want to stay in Texas. A large majority keep wanting to go up north. So this gets them closer and it, it gets them away from places that have very little connectivity into metropolitan areas where taking a bus is much easier or a train or a, a plane. So if it's done correctly, uh, it could really help ease.
Oh, they were up in arms. They're not up in arms the fact that we don't have a border policy. It's wide open, and, and there are 100,000 going to come across that border the moment title 42, 41, whatever the fuck it is, stops. Migrants on frigid Christmas Eve. It's because they don't go down to El Paso where they're freezing and they got fires outside. Year three of Biden's border crisis will be the worst yet. And there's actually, there's just proof it is going to be horrible. Just horrible. I mean, I, I, I just don't understand how the media could go from kids in cages to this shit and not even care. Home sales plunge in November as housing market cracks. I forgot to cover that one. They don't fucking care. Buttleg, July 8th, pledges diversify the aviation workforce. Buttleg says pilots may retire at 65. September 13th, the airline pilot shortage is worse than you think, and now they're going after them. Those were in the wrong spot, but I covered them anyway. Um, it's, it is just, it's all a laugh. It, this is just all a laugh. These people just don't get it. They never will. I mean, these are the, the same people that are making us have shit like this. I got this. They're going to shut down my power. And why? Because we've got 87,000 people and an unknown amount of illegals that came across and are in Tennessee. We don't have capacity now. The burden's too much on our electric system. They rescinded it because they hit low-income African-American networks or houses. But that... It's hitting everywhere. We don't even know how many bus loads and plane loads came to Chattanooga, Nashville, and Memphis. Knoxville. How about this? When we were coming up to empty things and crying. They don't come now. And then you got Juliano fucking Castro. This fucking douche nozzle. Um, Worthless Greg Abbott. Dropping off people with no money and no means on Christmas Eve in 15-degree weather near the VP's residence. How Christian of you, Greg Abbott. Being a heartless piece of shit isn't going to make you the next Republican president. Geraldo Rivera. Migrants dropped off the VP house. Once again, humans reduced to props and a political prank. Low brow. You claim Christianity. What would Jesus say? They're not freight, Jerry. They chose to go. It's not a prank. We have a major border crisis, Geraldo. Stop the Jesus stuff. Because Jesus would say, why are you letting them come across? ABC. I think I have this one. This was a cruel, dangerous, and shameful stunt. The White House denounces the politically motivated stunt. It's not a stunt. These are your people. You want them. You want them. It's what you guys want. You want to dilute the fucking electorate so you never lose. And because you don't trust it, because you know you're such a fuck-up that nobody follows you or your policies, you cheat. Thus, we have Twitter files 7 and 8 where we see... Oh, let me get this first. Twitter CEO got arrested for child porn. Nobody's covering that either. But now we find 
how they rigged COVID, and that other agencies are stopping free speech. I mean, to be totally frank, um, almost every conspiracy theory that people had about Twitter turned out to be true. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, if, is there a conspiracy theory about Twitter that didn't turn out to be true? Uh, so far, they've all turned out to be true. And if not, uh, more true than people thought. It's pretty shocking. When you get into this, it's pretty shocking. And I'm going to try to skim over it because the media is not covering it. The FBI actually wished happy holidays and people just, just dogged him because or dogged them because of what this says. How they rigged COVID debate by censoring info that was true but inconvenient to U.S. government policy by discrediting doctors and other experts who disagreed by suppressing ordinary users. So far, the Twitter files are focused on evidence of Twitter's secret blacklist, FBI. What we have yet to cover is COVID. The United States government pressured Twitter and other social media to elevate certain content and suppress others. Internal files of Twitter that I viewed while on assignment showed that both the Trump and Biden administration directly pressured Twitter executives to moderate the platform's pandemic content. At the onset of the pandemic, according to the meeting notes, the Trump amendment was especially concerned about panic buying. They came looking for help from big tech to stop it. It wasn't just Twitter, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, others. When the Biden amendment took over, one of their first meetings requests with Twitter exec was on COVID. The focus on anti-vaxxer accounts and getting them off. In the summer of 2021, Biden said social media companies were killing people for allowing vaccine misinformation. Benson sued and then settled with Twitter. In the legal process, Twitter was compelled to release con con certain internal communications which showed direct White House pressure in their emails. A December 2022 summary of the meeting, while the White House by Lauren Culbertson, Twitter head of U.S. public policy, add new evidence to the White House pressure campaign. Culbertson wrote that the Biden team was very angry that Twitter had not been more aggressive in deplatforming people. Twitter executives did not fully capitulate the Biden team's witches. An extensive review of internal communications of the company revealed employees often debating moderation cases in great detail. But Twitter did suppress views. From doctors and scientific experts that conflicted with the official position of the White House, as a result, legitimate fighting and questions that would have been expanded the public debate went missing. There were three serious problems with Twitter process. First, much of the content moderation was conducted by bots. Second, contractors in place like Philippines also moderated content. They were given decision trees to aid in the process, and they show it. Third, most importantly, the buck stopped with higher-level employees at Twitter who chose their input for bots and decision trees and subjectively decided to escalate cases and suspensions. And this goes on for like 40 tweets. But it's obvious. They did it. Now, other government agencies, and I'm going to skim this, FBI, FBI, I didn't refute allegations of steady decry conspiracy theorists pushing information whose sole aim is to decredit the agency. They must think us unambitious of our sole aim is to decredit the FBI. After all, a whole range of government agencies discredit themselves in Twitter files. Why stop with one? 
The files show the FBI acting as doorman to a vast program of social media surveillance and censorship encompassing agencies across the federal government from the State Department to the Pentagon to the CIA. And I got the heater on, but I am getting cold. I hope you didn't see my stomach on that. That'd be kind of gross. We put my brand new hoodie on because I don't want to get a chill and get sick again like I did last time I podcasted. So let's get this thing up here and take a pause for two seconds. I could have paused the tape, but fuck it. Here we go. My Noah Gregson and my hat. Let's do this thing. The file show the doorman State Department Pentagon, the CIA. The operation is far bigger than reported 80 member of the Foreign Influence Task Force, which also facilitates requests from a wide array of smaller actors, from cops to media to state government. Twitter had so much content with so many agencies that executives lost track, and today's DOD tomorrow the FBI, a weekly call. A chief end result was that thousands of official reports flowed to Twitter from all over through FITF and the FBI's San Francisco field office. On June 29, 2020, San Francisco FBI agent Chan wrote to a pair of Twitter execs as you can invite an OGA to the upcoming meeting. OGA or other government organization can be a euphemism for CIA, according to multiple former intelligence officials and contractors. Other government agencies, a place where I worked for 27 years, tired CIA officer. It was open secret at Twitter that one of the executives was ex-CIA. The first Twitter executive abandoned any pretense of stealth and emailed that the employee worked for the CIA. Senior legal executive Stacy Cardella, whose alertness stood out among Twitter leaders, replied, I know, and I thought my silence was understood, because why is the CIA in here? I invited the FBI and CIA virtually will attend, too. The government was in constant contact, not just with Twitter, but with virtually every major tech firm. It includes Facebook, Microsoft, Verizon, Reddit, even Pinterest, and many others, industry players. One of the most common forums was a regular meeting where they talked about deplatforming, send lists, and this goes on for 30 more tweets. Supplemental. Note left and right on Twitter files. Mainstream outlets try to grind every news story into grade D parts and hamburger, and Twitter file coverage is no exception. The Washington Post even called me conservative journalist. This is Matt Taibbi. This isn't a left or right project. The question that interests me, how these companies have been absorbed by intelligent arms, is more future dystopian than blue-red. But that story is hard to sell, so we're getting the usual stupidity. Still, well-meaning people have questions. Obviously, I know Voices on the Left have moderated a lot because I've been interviewing them for years. But we're all trying to triage time, and instead of looking up Individual accounts, most of us have been looking at broader search terms to start, FBI, COVID, DHS. I did look up accounts connected to Julian Assange. His PB2 page doesn't show anything unusual. That doesn't mean such intervention doesn't exist. It may be in Slack or an email somewhere. A few actions hit both Republican and Democrats. Some FBI offices were clearly running searches of November 4th to catch people trying to trick others into not voting. 
Those are interesting, ambiguous details like a decision we found in which the company considered restricting all moderation decisions involving Biden or Trump for four senior executives. But Twitter did not have a clear political monoculture. I can search for both RNC and DC cross-reference against each senior executive. RNC turned up pages about Republican and suing the company. DNC turned up mountains of insistent moderation demands. Some of the latter were quite funny and revealing. In multiple instances, Twitter initially decide not to remove videos lampooning Joe Biden because there were obvious parodies. These include deceptively edited videos of him getting lost and etc. And this goes on and it on and on and it once again shows that the left was trying to silence. Here's a top Twitter staffer admitted the government aggressive demands for validation of foreign influence theories can no longer be resisted. Our window on independence is closing, she said. Congressman, why is a foreign influence task force sending Excel spreadsheet full of joke tweets from low follower counts in Maryland, Kentucky, and Ohio? Why does that spend so much time? And it was because Ted Lieu, one FBI foreign influence task force, is threat indicator sharing with companies. That's a good thing. Companies decide what to do with the information. Elon Musk is bad. It was so obvious the FBI was assigning personnel specifically to look for Twitter terms of service violation, an effort funded by taxes instead of fighting crime, that two of the company's top lawyers wondered what the hell was going on. They have some folks in Baltimore field office and HQ that are just doing keyword searches for violation. It's probably the 10th request that day. So we're paying them to go after us. Here's Glenn Greenwald touching it, because I'm just going to touch this today, because I know it's getting old, but it's just compounding how bad this all is. Corporate journalists are learning this for the first time because they have been immune, but Twitter pre-Musk always requires deletion of offending tweets before returning. None of these people gave two shits about the New York Post and normals, because they won't delete their tweets about his location. Jonathan Turley gets in on this. Conspiracy theorists feeding misinformation is a familiar tagline for anyone raising concerns over social media censorship. What it's different is that this attack came in the country's largest law enforcement agency, the FBI. Britt Hume. This tweet is part of a very long thread with much detail on the extent of interaction between government and Twitter. The purpose? Censorship. Files show the FBI acting as a doorman. Ben Dominich, which I don't think I grabbed his tweet. President Joe Biden repeatedly discredited his staff, directed his staff to silence Americans on Twitter who disagreed with his policy. Coberson wrote the Biden team was very angry that Twitter had not been more aggressive in deplatforming people. PolitiFact... David Zwig showing the stuff. Elizabeth Nola, you open Twitter these days and it's all about just people talking about Twitter. It's just so boring, boring. And she works for PolitiFact. And what was the New York Times doing while this is going down? Vote Democrat. Save democracy. That's our... That's our media. That, that's how we are. So 
Before we go into woke, because we're doing good on time, I am going to play, and this is copyright infringements, I guess, by playing it. Um, Tucker Carlson did a Christmas thing. It's 15 or about 16 minutes long. I'm going to play it. And it's dogging Joe Biden. And that's our lighter fare for the day. And on the other side, we'll come in and start doing some woke. Carlson Originals presents the Joe Biden Christmas Special, starring the Joe Biden Christmas Special, starring Joe Biden. Donald, this is President. Hunter Biden has probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone. <laughs> and special guest star, Joe Biden's husband. Hey everyone, I'm Joe Biden's husband. <laughs> and now, Tucker Carlson. Christmas in the second year of the Joe Biden presidency. Oh, so many memories. The American people as poor and disgruntled as they've ever been. The sound of church bells, silenced by the government to protect us from the flu. The wafting aroma of methamphetamine on our streets. To review the highlights of the last couple of years and answer some tough questions, we've invited a very special guest for a very fake Christmas interview. Mr. President, many have questioned your mental and physical ability to serve as President of the United States. What's your response to those who say you are too senile to be President? Watch me. Honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. We have watched you. In fact, we've watched hours of you babbling incoherently. No. I don't think so. Well, we have. In fact, we've watched hours of video of you getting lost on stage. It's a matter of, you know, that old expression, the proof of the pudding in the eating. I mean, fair enough. Let's eat some pudding.
permission to leave. I had to check you notice. I mean, this idea of, you know, slow Joe. <laughs> Joe, boy, come here. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, for your favorite Christmas game. What did Joe just say? Think about what you'd think about at the time. Rock and I think it's a right for people that bad at Kev Kerr. For people that bad at Kev Kerr. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize. Sure, and I suffer depression. Sure, and I suffer depression. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. Look, don't care. Right, you know, and, uh, For you all on Montana, hey, you know, there's a man on the moon, or whatever, you know, something, or, you know, whether those aliens are here or not. I mean, I mean, I mean think about it. It's not about, I know it's a problem. My physical as well as my mental fitness. By the way, this is my little sister Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh no, this is a, oh, they switched on me. This is my wife, this is my sister. They switched on me. Why doesn't he just act like a president? That's a stupid way to say it. You know, Donald Trump is an Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, boy. the best I know. Well, I'm sick and tired of smart guys. It is what it is because he is who he is. We've got to stop it. It's just bizarre. Well, those are your words, Mr. President. Sorry you're offended. It's just so, so unnecessary. So wrong. Well, they don't need that. Don't get me going, but... But, Mr. President, what some are concerned about is the whole sniffing children thing. It's one thing to sniff your own children. But to sniff other people's children? How's an old guy do that? Mr. President, with respect, I don't think we're getting through to you. So we're going to turn instead to soon to be classic Christmas song. And by the way, you know, I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, uh, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it so i learned about roaches i learned about kids jumping on my lap and i've loved kids jumping on my lap we go back a long way she was 12 i was 30 but anyway put up the tree and deck the halls it's the time of year when creepy calls sniffing your daughter and groping your son creepy joe has a note to be sung biting the creep He's on a mission, like it or not, he's sniffing your children, singing out loud while he's groping your kids. All the worst things his handlers forbid. When you try to tell me I'm supposed to stop, but nothing more to say here. Not in the nice which have you been? He'll still sniff ya again and again. Sneak, kissing so wrong on the lips and cheek. He sits so still all through the day. But late at nights when he comes out to play, which is why he gives his personal phone number to kids. Biting the creep, he's on a mission. Like it or not, he's.
sniff for your children Singing out loud while he's grumpy your kids All the worst things his handlers forbid Naughty or nice, which have you been? He'll still sniff ya again and again By the way, he gave me permission to touch him, huh? And now, a very special phone call between the president and the infamous Hunter Biden. Hi. Go ahead. How are you? Merry Christmas. Who's this? I am the boy that no one knows, but that everyone fears. Uh, Hunter, is that correct? I am a child carrying the entirety of your darkest, deepest Fears. Yeah. You have a son named Hunter and a grandson named Hunter. You know me so well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, we do. You do. She's telling me we don't. <laughs> well, I tell you what. What's Hunter want is his big gift? What do you want Santa to bring you? All your pain and all your suffering. Oh, <laughs> Holy <laughs> well, I hope you have a wonderful hey, Christmas. All I want is to feel loved. You. So great and I agree. Hey, by the way, you ain't black. Uh, I don't know. See, you are such a racist. We begin here this evening with NBC's David Gregory. David, good evening. Good evening, Brian. As you know, Senator Biden has launched his bid for the White House on the issue of Iraq. But as you mentioned, today the campaign was sidetracked over the issue of race. The first sort of mainstream African American yes. who is articulate and bright and, and clean and nice looking guy. I mean, that's a story, right? Yeah. Even call centers, even call centers, which rushed overseas, it was hundreds of thousands. How many times you get the call? I'd like to talk to you about your credit card. They're going to put you all back in chains. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a point. I'm not joking. It's gigantic. In terms of foreclosures, in terms of bad loans, these Shylocks who took advantage of uh, all of these women and men. Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Mr. President, if you could clear this up. During the last election cycle, you were introduced to one of your opponents. I'm prepared to say that I have a record of over 40 years and that I'm going to beat Joe Biden. He looks a lot like you, but he goes by a different name. My name's Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. This man calls himself Joe Biden's husband. <laughs> I think it's, I, think it's I, I haven't, look, look, we don't know if you have a husband, and frankly, we don't judge. But some of his ideas, we do judge. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. That's like just flat out acknowledging. We've been doing everything we can do to keep Biden from being the nominee, and guess what? We tried it in, in Iraq, it's not working, so now we're going to try it in the Excuse me. I've been able to priority my entire career to work closely with you. From the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago. The U.S. COVID infected in America, 6,344,700. U.S. COVID deaths, 
We'll see you next year, and we'll see you then too. Merry Christmas. Take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Or are you a junkie? What do you say? Turn it up. Turn it on. Rock it like we bear to the bone. Get on the floor. Running loose. Gotta put this to let feet to use. If you need education in the part of scene. If you think you can dance with me, this ain't no joke. Turn up. Let's get woke History is being made at Harvard. The Ivy League University named its 30th president last week, and the honor went to political scientist Claudine Gay. Well, it is certainly a well-deserved honor, but, and there is a big but to the story, President Gay will take over at Harvard next July, right around the same time that the Supreme Court is poised to overturn the university's longstanding race-conscious admissions policy. This means that Claudine Gay will likely be stepping into a huge legal and political mess as soon as she's sworn in. Now, I feel this so acutely. In 2016, I became the interim dean at Berkeley Law after a major sexual harassment scandal. It was obviously an amazing career opportunity for me, but it was also amazingly fraught with career risks. And I know I'm not alone. For a lot of women, and especially women of color, Claudine Gay's landmark appointment feels a little bit like another case of women getting a much-deserved leadership opportunity, but only in times when their institutions are undergoing some kind of profound crisis. You've obviously heard teach high school English and whoo, the white supremacy runs deep. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at how we write essays. Start with an introduction that includes a thesis. Always cite your sources. Use transition words like however and therefore. These are all made up rules. They're arbitrary. They were created by Westerners in power. In linguistic justice, April Baker Bell calls this the language of respectability or the language of power. There is nothing more 2022 to me than a high school English and literature teacher saying that using a thesis and words like however and therefore are white supremacist when she is in fact white. Granted, college professors have said two plus two equals four is racist also, so I guess everything 
is just racist. Breathing is now racist. So just be aware of that in the American education system, I guess. You honestly cannot make this crap up anymore. Homeschool your kids. <laughs> Hi, my name is Samuel, and I am a canine Therian. But what does this mean? A Therian is somebody who identifies as wholly or partially non-human, specifically as a non-human animal from this earth. Now, there are other forms of non-humans, and a person could identify as being non-human for a plethora of psychological or spiritual reasons. For me, I'm not sure which it is. I used to be certain that it was purely psychological due to neurodivergency. However, as I started to delve into my spirituality, I started to question if it was maybe a past life that affects my alter humanity. Either way, I feel a disconnect from other humans and to the part of my brain and soul that feels human. Instead, I feel like a dog or a wolf, which I know is extraordinarily common. <laughs> A milk carton obviously and it has uh have you seen me on there with a phone number okay you don't think much of it but little kids are playing with this toy opening this toy and they're gonna be curious and it says please call so what do you do your kid picks up the phone and they dial the number one eight 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 too much t o o where's m <laughs> what it says on there. Damn. And this is what happens when you call the number. Oh, we're gonna put on the speaker. I'm waiting for your call. Want me to send you a sexy pic of me? Press one now to receive naughty okay. triple X dust. No one. This is bad enough to do if you press one. By pressing you verify that the mobile number from which you are calling is your own, and you consent to receive promotions from MMS Broadcasting and NTS through auto-dial calls, text or picture messages, and pre-recorded voice messages. So I'm not going to press one. To receive these calls and messages is not a condition of purchase. I do Standard not want to get them, but if all you have to do is press one, and your phone is going to get text pictures that your kids should not be getting. And this is printed on the side of a child's toy. And now I wrote to NTS who creates the toy and they wrote back and said to I have to mark it up I have to send um, a picture of it and they'll send me a maybe it's time for political violence against my enemies um, it agrees with me politically or else it gets the violence so obviously, it's not the actual skin tone when we're talking about whiteness. It's the white entitlement, white privileges, white microaggressions that white people indulge in because we live in a white supremacist society where whiteness is seen as the standard and catered to in everything that exists in Hollywood, in government, in schools. 
And people will be like, you can't just base it off of that one racist person. When you're a person of color, it's never that one racist white person you encountered. The white superiority complex isn't everything you touch. It's never just one thing. And the way you carry yourself, your mannerisms, the way you speak, cumulative. And most white people are not actively fighting racism. So if BIPOC folks in their leisure time, because it's exhausting to be around that 24-7, want to be in the comforts of people that they trust, feel safe with, enjoy free time away from societal pressures of white dominance, which is constantly being pushed. It's not exclusionary. Some BIPOC folks enjoy a place of safe haven where whiteness is not centered. It's about nurturing and nourishing the wellness of BIPOC folks. For once, in their personal time and personal space, out of the million other times where they cannot. If you can't understand the need for that or respect that, you're exactly the reason. So health professionals have a critical role to play. We must continue and to expand their work to address health misinformation directly with their patients. Now, this includes, but it goes beyond COVID-19. So I'd like to just talk briefly about another area of substantial misinformation that is directly impacting health equity in our nation, and that is the health equity of sexual and gender minorities. There is substantial misinformation about gender-affirming care for transgender and gender-diverse individuals. We are in this nation facing an onslaught of anti-LGBTQI plus actions at the state levels across the United States, and they are dangerous to the public health. The positive value of gender affirming care for youth and adults is not in scientific or medical dispute. So we all need to work together to get our voices um, out in the front line. We need to get in our voices in the public eye. And we, can, we know how effective our medical community can be talking to communities, whether it's at town halls, schools, conversations with others. And we need to use our clinician's voice to collectively advocate for our tech companies to create a healthier, cleaner information environment. During a moment when public trust in our leaders and our information is very challenged, the healthcare worker community, the medical community does, I believe, maintain a high degree of trust. And we have to utilize that and we have to utilize it effectively. The Tucker is just hilarious. And I'm sorry for all that shit, but, you know, I'm making a point. That's a pronoun book for a five-year-old kid. So when that piece of shit with male pattern baldness talks about militant courts and states putting law, they're just protecting their children from you fucking nutbags. All right? You're just nutbags. And you have AOC, Defense Drag Story Hour. So important. This is another one where everybody's slaveholders, so I want to get all the art. I got that one slipped in. This came from Elon Musk. They brainwashed you. Really? And you see everything that brainwashed and their crazy fucking flag. And I thought it was... Really apropos, because when you break it down, it is brainwashing. 
because the first ever state rep just got arrested, arrested stalking a woman, and he's a tranny. It's brainwashing. It is such brainwashing that once they get into this, mentally, they fall the fuck apart. And this was all over Twitter, and people were freaking the fuck out. Because this is a man going through his first period cramps. It's called gender dysphoria. It's a mental illness, and we're not treating it as a mental illness. We're treating it that it's a real thing, and if you don't buy off on it, you're a piece of shit. And people are pushing back. So, anti-LGBTQ events... Signs waving protesters are increasingly joined by members of right-wing paramilitary groups and editorial rights. The presence increased the risk of such encounters. That's what they went with. So here is an event where actual Antifa were there. And this was a family event. I'm going to play it. It's about six minutes long.
I think that's a better background. They're doing it on purpose. Their purpose is to brainwash kids and get them to buy off on it. And now you have Antifa going. And once again, because I believe in transparency, this is what's happening at all these things. But what are they talking about? They're talking about right-wing militants. What the fuck is that? That's Antifa, boys and girls. That's Antifa. I can't get this fucking picture to move. Oh, fuck it. I'll put it right here behind me. Bam. There we go. And we have to find a way to break this. We have to. We, we are now in a society where they're infringing on our right to speak. And they have the goons come out. And they don't go to jail. None of these people go to jail. You and I, we're going to jail. Right now, people are going to jail for what? Praying. Here's an ex-manager, another one. It's a demonic organization. And she talks about all the stuff we already know about. We know that it's a money for profit. Kirk Cameron is doing the right thing. He is literally in libraries. And now he's going to read his Christian books in the library. And that's awesome. Because we need more people doing that. So, one quick hit, because now Gavin Newsom, I had some climate stuff, but I kind of pulled off it. Um... Gavin Newsom has decided to now lead like Kerry on the crazy shit. So here's a guy saying he's the greatest thing ever, just like, how dare you, girl? And then we'll go straight into um, This is America, where we have a lady saying that if Trump didn't get indicted, if he doesn't, we're in a banana republic. And uh, Whoopi Goldberg, once again, talking about Jews aren't like people and shit. It's white on white crime, what the Nazis did. Again. I write about the first Earth Day in 1970, and it was musicians like Marvin Gaye writing Mercy Me, the, the you know, ecology and Andy Warhol ended up doing the series of endangered species. The great painter Robert Rauschenberg did the poster. Uh, and you grassroots organization were saying, we want clean air. We want the lead out of gasoline. We want no more smog causing respiratory illness in Los Angeles and New York. We want the Great Lakes clean that we could catch fish there again. We don't want rivers like the Cuyahoga of Ohio or the Rouge in Michigan on fire. It was the people demanding it and until the public talks about climate change as being the issue. We had a midterm election and it's ranked number five or something. Until we're demanding it of our public servants, uh, we're going to be in these kind of weird climate events, one after the other, wondering what to do and kicking the can down the road. The hero, Jake, right now, to my mind, is California under Gavin Newsom and others. By 2035, they're not going to be selling um, you know, vehicles that are run on 
fossil fuels and our post office is starting to go to electric vehicles. So the movement's there, but we've got to have a Rachel Carson-like figure, somebody who leads us into the promised land of a cleaner and safer, healthier tomorrow and make sure we don't have... This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. And this is America. Accountable. It's now in the hands of the Department of Justice. Danielle, I mean, Tara, I think, laid it out. What about you? What are your thoughts here on the efficacy of the committee, really, and also what it means for the broader efforts to hold the former president accountable? I mean, I agree with Tara. I think that what we saw from the bipartisan January 6th House Committee is, in fact, a thorough investigation and using Trump's own people in their own words to lay out exactly the fact that, guess what? This was not just a, an act of happenstance of people getting caught up in the moment, that this was a planned, strategic a attack on our Capitol building and on our democracy directed by the president of the United States. There, the job of the January 6th committee was to bring this to the public record, was to bring it to the forefront and say that this was not an accident. This was not like a, a lone wolf incident and people got caught up in emotion. They were directed and they were weaponized. And we knew that Donald Trump knew that those crowds of people had weapons. And what did he say? They're not here to harm me. So I think that right now, the ball is in Merrick Garland and Jack Smith's hands to decide whether or not this is something America is going to shrug off and turn us into a banana republic, or it's something that they're going to take action on and ensure that democracy still holds. People are waiting with bated breath to see what happens. So yesterday uh, on our show, I misspoke. And I tweeted about it last night, but I, I kind of want you to hear it from me directly. I said something that I feel a responsibility for not leaving unexamined because my words upset so many people, which was never my intention. And I understand why now. And for that, I am deeply, deeply grateful because the information I got was really helpful and helped me understand some different things. And while discussing how a Tennessee school board unanimously, unanimously voted to remove a graphic novel about the Holocaust, I said that the Holocaust wasn't about race and it was instead about man's inhumanity to man. But it is indeed about race because Hitler and the Nazis considered Jews to be an inferior race. Now, words matter, and mine are no exception. I regret my comments, as I said, and I stand corrected. I also stand with the Jewish people, as they know and y'all know, because I've always done that. So because of all of this, we've asked Jonathan Greenblatt, the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, and author of It Could Happen Here, to help continue this very important conversation. Jonathan, thank you for being here. I know a lot of people were very upset by what I said yesterday and the things they've... I regret. And so I want to clear this up. Can you explain why the Holocaust was about race? Well, Whoopi, there's no question that Holoc the Holocaust was about race. That's how the Nazis saw it as they perpetrated 
the systematic annihilation of the Jewish people across continents, across countries, with deliberate and ruthless cruelty. And literally, the first page of Mouse, the book you were talking about yesterday, Whoopi, it opens with a quote from Hitler. And literally, it says, the Jews undoubtedly are a race, but they are not human. You see, Hitler's ideology, the Third Reich, was predicated on the idea that the Aryans, the Germans, were a, quote, master race, and the Jews were a subhuman race. It was a racialized anti-Semitism. Okay. Now, that might not fit exactly or feel different than the way we think about race in 21st century America, where primarily it's about people of color. But throughout the Jewish people's history, they have been marginalized, they have been persecuted, they have been slaughtered, in large part because many people felt they were not just a different religion, but indeed a different race. And your platform, Whoopi, is so important. Using it now to educate... Nothing will happen to her. They will still keep up the theory that there's this right-wing white supremacist takeover of the fucking earth, which isn't happening. And nobody can see. And I put this up because these, this is what we're dealing with. Biden's great. Everybody else is a piece of shit. They wrote, we can replace them. They wrote, hey, we did this. Go fuck yourself. And now we know through Twitter they did. They, they rigged everything. It was one big cluster of suppression and fuck the Second Amendment or the First Amendment. We, we don't care. FBI, all up in our business, but they're not stopping crimes. And this right here is what I wanted to close on today. And unfortunately, I got to fix these pictures because the, the setting's off. Boys and girls, six times. This is common knowledge. They requested and they turned it down. But WAPO, January panel aimed to upend Trump. Did they accomplish their mission? That's the WAPO article. Julie Kelly, I searched for a report named by FBI Director Chris Ray. It's not once mentioned in the 845-page report, which means the committee did not interview the man in charge of the most powerful law enforcement agency on January 26. Also not mentioned, informant, confidential human source, although Proud Boy and Oath Keepers are cited repeatedly. The investigation into two militia groups did not reveal how multiple FBI informants utterly failed at their jobs. Only five references to pipe bomb buried towards the end, and they never, ever covered it because Camila Harris had lied. She was next to it. And that's it for the pipe bomber. Seems like committee investigating did not interview anybody. But that's a J6. Raskins. The Electoral College now, which has given us five popular vote losers as president in our history, twice in the century alone, has become a danger not just to democracy, to the, but to the American people. Jamie Raskins, a election denier from day one. It was all for show. They knew it was going to happen. They helped facilitate it with the FBI and Antifa. The police opened the door, 
and they got their boogeyman because they tried to impeach Trump and they couldn't stop him. And I'm not a Trump guy. I don't want Trump to run. I want DeSantis, somebody who's sane. It's all just been a lie. We can replace them. We did it. We stole an election. The FBI is now 100% liberal. And they denied National Guard. So we'll hear stories about some dude I never heard of who lied to get elected, but we'll never research how Nancy Pelosi is a multimillionaire because her husband was using intersider trading to buy stock. And she'll be revered as the greatest thing since sliced bread, yet she was the most divisive person that ever held that office, ever. And that's fucking sad. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to Rumble and SoundCloud. And I'm going to put up a new sign because this looks like shit next time. An email that I'd like to get some more insight on what you guys would like to hear or see. My plan is to do a reduced year in review on the 31st. That is Saturday. I have a bunch of material. I'll put something together and we'll do a quick year in review over what we had in 2022. I hope you had a great Christmas. I did. My wife got a lot of great gifts. You know, we went back to that cheap Christmas and it was funner than the expensive Christmases. But in turn, and why you got to show a little later, I we couldn't even leave the house. We were snowed in. I sold the Jeep and we got snow on top of snow. So we ended up getting like four and a half inches of snow and everything in the road. I was sitting here. Which was great. You know, we had Christmas and we just hung out, but our son couldn't come out. So we went this morning and did Christmas with him in his front yard and gave him his presents. But um, it was definitely a nice little home Christmas because you couldn't leave. I burned about a half a rick of wood, keeping the house warm. And now it's going to warm up a little bit, get up to the 60s by weekend and then get back into winter. But I don't see snow on the forecast for a while. And I'm kind of glad because the 300 went out one day to go get us some tobacco products and I barely made it home and it was about was ice but it was coming down pretty good but the roads in that area had some traction you know some people had driven on it so it melted a little bit with the sun but um yeah, I had to turn off anti-slip just to get the hell up because I almost didn't make it home. So definitely not used to driving cars in the snow. I was used to the Jeep and driving 10 inches and just go wherever the hell I want. So those days are over. Um, hopefully life will change after my surgery on the 18th and I will be able to go get a truck. That would make it a lot better. But anyway, thank you all for listening. I will talk to you on Saturday with our year in review. And until then, enjoy your holiday week with your family. Take care.